So many thanks to the organisers for the opportunity to speak today at this occasion, which is fast becoming a fixture in the academic calendar. And I have to say, I suppose at the start, it's also heartening as a conachtoch and a Ruskama native to see such sustained attention being paid to manuscripts associated with the province, from Lower Nahira to the Book of Ballymoat to Lower Emania and now to 23N10. And of course, what this focus does, it reflects the locus of early scribal activity in medieval Ireland. Manuscripts from this period, as we know, contain diverse materials reflecting the interests of those who wrote them and of their patrons, while they also reflect their places of composition and the texts available to their scribes and to the larger networks to which they belonged. So today in this talk, I intend to focus primarily on the small number of Fenian texts scattered throughout the manuscript and use them as a lens through which we might examine such questions as textual transmission, manuscript contexts, and scribal engagement with the creation and contents of the Codex. Now, it has long been recognized that 23N10 contains within it significant groupings of texts. The most noteworthy of these is undoubtedly the material to derive from, from what is perhaps the most famous of all our last, ma last manuscripts, Kindramishnachta. And this, of course, was the subject of our first two papers this morning by Professor Stifter and Carey. Now, along with the text from this last vellum, 23N10 also contains noteworthy assemblages of wisdom literature, which were treated of yesterday by Dr. Hayden, narrative literature, including the Ulster Cycle, as highlighted for us by Professor Higgin, metrical monastic rules, religious poetry, as described for us by Dr. Boyle, prophetic texts, as well as sundry miscellaneous materials. And Dr. Cobell has just treated us to an exposition on some of the lesser known texts in the Codex. And it is also with a number of these varied contexts that I concern myself here. Contents which showcased 23 and 10, and I'm using the term miscellany just, in, just with no pejorative meaning, only as a collection of texts, which is what a miscellany is, most simply. Now, I'm also very taken with the title chosen for the conference, the Book of Ballycommon. This, of course, comes from the colophon penned by the principal scribe of the manuscript on page 48 at the end of Abgudor Crovet. And you have it here in front of you, and it reads, Finit amen o e forshin abgudor shin, balian chmina maram inalt chan evil honora. So finit amen by e with that abgudor, ballycommon my location in the house of Sean O'Mail Conra. Now, similar information is repeated, and I have highlighted it here for you, on page 77, where after a brief collection of gnomic sayings, we read the following. Finis amen, in sahran reavail in dal kyunanyov, misha e valya an chumina mavyundad in naram hyan ivoel chanula. Finis amen, today is the saharda before St. Patrick's Day. I am a, bali common my location in Sean O'Mail Conra's place. Now, as you can see here, such radical orthographic variation between these two entries, between the one before here and the one after, both penned by the principal scribe of the manuscript A, is very noteworthy, and will, I'm sure, be dealt with in some detail by Dr. Hine this afternoon. With the regard to the place of writing, Balia and Khamina, the homestead of the commons, this is now a townland of just over 124 acres, 
which mirrors onto Loch Bodderig in the parish of Kilmore, uh, barony of Ballantubber North in the northeast of County Roscommon. It may have been bigger once because it is bounded to the north by the townlands of Clune Common, which may have, ex so it may have formed part of the original uh, uh, aerial designation. Now, in the Ordnance Survey six inch map, all that is masked, marked on Ballycommon, that's it again within the parish of Kilmore, all that is marked in Ballycommon is Ballycommon House. Now, the Landed Estates Project, which is located in NUI Galway, have described this, and I quote, as a house valued at £8 when occupied by Roderick J. Hanley, who held it from Lawrence Murray at the time of Griffith's valuation. And it was described by Lewis in 1837 as the former seat of the Earl of Roscommon, and at that time occupied by Lieutenant Roderick J. Hanley. And this Hanley is entering this Hanley because he was involved, he was one of the trustees for the sale of other lands in Kilmore, uh, in 1861, belonged to Anne and Robert Connery, so Mel Connery probably again. Uh, however, in the book, Books of Survey and Distribution of County Roscommon, Ballycommon, as we know, is listed as land belonging to the Bishop of Toome. Now, to return to the manuscript, and the organization of the contents may be approached from a number of distinct points of view. For example, one may analyze the text written in vellum and contrast these with those which are written on paper. You can mention the fact that the bulk of the manuscript is written across the full width of the page, and this may be balanced against the very small number of pages that utilize the more regular earlier bicolumnar presentation. We can contrast and compare the material written by the principal scribe of the manuscript, A, who wrote over 75% of the codex, so that might need to be changed, and this may be compared with that penned by the second scribe, Dovetok, who wrote about 22%, and with the small number of lines attributed to the third scribe, Torna, perhaps Torna Omwell Hunra. One may talk about the additions to the manuscript in the 18th and 19th centuries when it was in Cork, which we'll hear more about today from Professor Sharp. The extent to which, as I mentioned, the unusual Gaelic orthography, the subject of Dr. Hoyne's lecture, is actually present in different parts of the manuscript. The movement between Irish and Latin, which is actually quite restricted in this codex with the vernacular greatly in the ascendancy. One could compare, for example, the number of poems in the manuscript compared with those texts written in prose and prosimetric and rough formats. One could compare the way in which different groupings of texts, some of which are bound out of order, point towards sustained scribal engagement with discrete topics occurring alongside cultivation of numerous items which do not seem to form part of some groupings. And finally, one may also look at the input of the Evel Conra scribal family, and which we will hear more about shortly from Dr. O'Marilla. Now, I've suggested elsewhere that the codex seems to point towards a fluctuation between paper and vellum as the texts were being copied, and I'm glad to see the Chantal we just had a conversation about a little while ago, and this seems to be, and it's, I think this, uh, echo what Professor Sharp did, I think this is going to make us really reassess what we're looking at. Now, today I wish to examine the materials associated with Finn McCovell and his Fian, which are to be found in 23 and 10. Four such texts are preserved in the manuscript, and I give these here in the order in which they occur in the manuscript. The first is Uot bin Elder, which is found in the vellum portion of the manuscript, the Terror of Hoth, begin in fact German Maclean Ihrivna Inu of Bin Elder. The second is the text which Professor Stifter has been working on was showing us today, the quarrel between Finn and Oshin. We're going to have to change its name. Agalov, we have to give it an Irish title. 
to take it seriously. Briefing or briefing for air in the Queen Creek of Vic, Egon Oshelma, including a poem and dialogue beginning is Gerald Lumsett here, Dom Amsha in Fair Leah. Thirdly, then we have the scale of Asamera, Commander Finn McCovell Mongon, the famous story from which it is inferred that Mongon was Finn McCovell. And finally, we have a poem of 14 quatrains beginning Avic Lugduk Tol of Snas. Now, this material is presented to us, to us throughout in different contexts, contexts which are going to have to be re examined now if we're looking at a reordering of the pages. And in no way do these form, however, as far as I can see, do, no way do these narratives form a discrete grouping. Uud bin Eder is the only one of these fin cycle narratives preserved in the vellum portion of the manuscript. And it is located in a section concerned with narrative literature, where it is preceded by Tukfurk Evera, the wooing of Ever, and followed by Imathkar Nalana Agus Art, the mutual restitution between Alal and Art. The second example, the quarrel between Finn and Oshin, is found among a varied collection of texts. It is preceded by the wisdom text, Audak Murun, and is followed by the legal ruling on stolen and injured horses, which was discussed first yesterday by Professor Bernach. The oldest of the four, Shkela Asamer, survives as part of the material preserved on block, which is thought to derive from Kindra Mishnachta, and is found as a constituent part of a mini cycle of four texts focusing on Mungon Machfiokna, king of Dal Narada. The final Fenian text in the Codex comes towards its end, and away is the most surprising of the four. It consists of a version of the poem beginning Avik Lugduk Tol of Snas, a composition which is usually found as a constituent part of Agal of Mishinorok. It is preceded by quite a large collection of moral precepts and is followed by a partial calendar of Irish saints. Immediately, I think one can see that there is no wider Fenian context for any of the four pieces so preserved. Now, this is not altogether surprising, as it is not uncommon to find fin cycle narratives dispersed and scattered throughout codices of the pre-modern era. The manuscript context of Shkel Asamer is substantially different to the other three Fenian tales here listed, as the Mongon narratives are preserved together in numerous different codices. There are copies of the story in Lower Nahira, in the Yellow Book of Lekin, in Egypt in 88, in Trinity H422, as well as in 23N10. All four occur in the same order, and the order is Comfort Mungon, Shkiel Asamer, Shkiel Mungon, and Tugad William Mungon in four of these manuscripts, though Egypt in 88 contains only the first two. It is with Egypt in 88, however, that 23N10 has the closest links, as we know. This is primarily a legal manuscript which was written at the MacAgon Law School in Park in East Galway. The principal scribe was Donald O'Dovdavaran, an important member of the O'Davaran Law School of Cahar which is the town of Cahar in the parish of Artforney, uh, Barony of Burren, County Clare. Interestingly, the section of the manuscript which is concerned with narrative literature shares some of the peculiar orthographic features which are also present in our manuscript. Furthermore, the basis for establishing the contents of Kindra is the fact that 10 of the texts in question are shared by Egypt in 88 and 23 and 10, though attributed to the Keen in the former and not in the latter. 
best following Tournaisen believed that though they were not copied from the same exemplar and differed in orthography, that they agreed in detail, for example, unusual abbreviations and in recension so closely as to appoint to the same original, the Keen Drummer Schnachter. Now, there are some difficulties, however, in delineating the nature of the relationship between Schiel-Assemer and other early examples of Fenioch. Though it is undoubtedly true, as Nora White has argued, that Mungon as a reincarnation of Finn fits well with the various references to him having superior knowledge and wisdom, the association of Finn with the north of Ireland generally, and with the Dáil Narada specifically, is not elsewhere recorded in the early literature, though such links do become part of the broader Fenian cycle thereafter. Most famously, for example, a battle at the Larne Water at Ullerva is said to be one of the three contentions which marked the end of the era of Finn and his Fian. As has been suggested elsewhere, such associations of Fenioch with Dal Narada and with other non goidelic peoples may provide some tentative support for Owen McNeil's belief that the Finn cycle originated as the hero lore of a subject and not of a ruling race. Alternatively, however, it might be just better to see Skela Asamer and Tugad William Mungon, another of the Mungon tales, as text, to quote Professor Carey, in which southern traditions are appropriated by a northern author. The next oldest of the four Fenian texts is 23 in 10. Sorry, there was Skela Asamer, and this is uh, the quarrel between Finn and Oshin, which begins at the top, as we can see, of page 53. Its language is old Irish. I had taught myself it was second half of the 8th century. Professor Stifter's talking about 9th century. It'll be interesting to see that pursued. It is found in our manuscript in Harley 5280, a codex written, as we've heard on a couple of occasions, at another Umwell Connor abode in the same parish, in a place called Curlis Connell in the same parish of Kilmore, closely related to 23 and 10. And it is also found in the now last book of Kilbride, and uh, the portion of the text published from this manuscript before it was lost, which is here, along with the copy made by Ewan McLaughlin and preserved as the manuscript that we know as Lower Kell, shows that the version in, 21, in, in the Kilbride manuscript shared the same peculiar spelling conventions found in both of our manuscripts. The other thing to note about the Edinburgh manuscript, it's an old pale Conran manuscript written at Clune Plochon. It's written inside us, okay? So it's part and parcel of the same nexus. As mentioned above, the quarrel between Finn and Oshin is preceded by Audoc Murren and followed by a legal ruling on stolen and injured horses. Now, Audoc Murren is the only one of the proposed constituent texts from Kindrum Ishnachta in 23 and 10, which is found separate from the block of material taught to derive from that codex. I'm not sure will that still be the same after Chantal's reorganizing this, but I think it might be. I was trying to work it out there. Okay. But there's no suggestion has been made heretofore that it was originally physically attached to this grouping. Now, notwithstanding the close link established by John Carey between Audoc Murren and three other keen texts, that is Bulachin, Extra Khunla, and Tuggle Bridnadal Dariga, on the basis that they are the only sources he has found containing the form te, te, with nasalization, for the third singular feminine infix pronoun, which was discussed in detail earlier today. Nevertheless, apart from that fact, Audoc Murren seems to me to a few other grounds for inclusion within the group of narratives, and remember, Tournaisen was hesitant about it as well. 
The other manuscripts which contain a significant number of texts which we think belong to this last codex, Rawlinson B512, for example, which was most probably in the Moyle Connery collection, and TCD manuscript H422, to name the two of the most obvious, do not contain the Audux. So on grounds of manuscript transmission, the case may be deemed slight. There are, however, strong factors in favor of its inclusion. The early date of its composition, the presence of the infix pronoun just mentioned, and the fact that it is grouped with the keen Dumbleschnachte text in Egypt in 88. This, however, is counterbalanced by the fact that it's absent from other collections of texts taught to derive from the king, and perhaps also, and this is only tentative, by its subject matter, which would seem to distinguish it somewhat from the narrative tale focus of the rest of the proposed contents of Kindra Mishnachta. Now, the next Fenian text in order of date is Uh bin Erdor, which dates to the Middle Irish period, perhaps to the 11th century. What is immediately apparent is that this narrative has been penned by a different hand. Whereas Scale Asamerer, as with the bulk of the material from Kindra Mishnachta, and the quarrel between Finn and Oshin, are both the work of A, the chief scribe and owner of the Codex. This narrative was written by the second great contributor to the work, that one Dovtok. Now, the difference between the two hands is very noticeable in pages where one takes over from the other. For example, with Eadocht Ahernia, the guesting of Ahernia on page 15, where A, as we can see, is responsible for the first 14 lines, with Dovtok completing the page. The much more condensed style of the latter is immediately apparent. On page 101, we find the reverse, this is mentioned before. The first 16 lines are penned by Dovtok and comprise the end of the tract on the triads. These are followed by, as we know, a blessing by, from him upon A's work. Uh, my prayer for your book, O A, on the first Monday after the feast of St. John, my place of writing in the company of Sean O'Mel Hunra. I am Dov wrote that piece for its reliable knowledge, 1575. And A adds a brief thank you, Gaurav Mahagat, after Dov scribal entry, before beginning a poem on the five divisions of Munster, which was already mentioned. And the form of A's less compact script is evident at once. Now, the date of the composition noted by Dovtok, 1575, accords with what is found elsewhere in the Codex, and Sean O'Mel Conra is also name-checked once more here. Now, the actual place name mentioned, Balutivert or Blavuiga, has been tentatively, now I've been going through Liam's work on North Roscommon, but has been tentatively identified by us with the townland of Ballyhubert in the parish of Lisso, Nuffian County, Roscommon, 15 kilometres south of Ballycommon, and less than 10 kilometers southeast of the EA Vuel Conra abode of Clun Plocon. But this identification, I have to stress, is far from certain. Now, the actual difference in the quantity of text that each scribe fits into a manuscript cage is quite marked. For example, Uwe Ben Eder occupies all of page 13 on five lines of page 14, while Finn and Oshin takes up all of page 53 and six lines of page 54. Thus, although they fill a, an identical amount of space in the codex, that pen by A, a contains 400 words approximately, while Dovtok in the same space has 525 words. The amount of words per page also fluctuates throughout the codex. For example, both may space up to 37 lines per page, 
on the single page, dovetuck here on the left on page 13, A on page 18, or as few as 27 lines per page, A here on page 53, and dovetuck on page 78. In general, however, dovetuck's writing tends to be somewhat smaller and more condensed than that of A. The same is true for Torna, the third scribe of the manuscript, perhaps because of his name, to be identified with Torna Omwel Hunra, that is Torna, son of Mwilin, son of Torna, son of Mwilin, as is clear from page 57, where he takes over writing Imre of Bran from A. The more compact nature, as you can see, of, of Torna's penmanship is immediately evident. The fourth Fenian text preserved in the Codex is in some ways the most unusual. This is the poem beginning Avik Ligvuk Tol of Snas, one of a large number of verse compositions found in 23 and, and 10. Elsewhere, this is generally found as part of Ogil of Nashor and Oruk, where it is presented as advice which Finn gives to Machluach, who is said therein to be the son of Finn's son, Dara Jerig, and of his daughter, Luach, and who is causing strife among other members of the Fian. There is only one other copy of the poem known to me, which is to be found independently of either the earlier or later version of the Ogilov. And this is the copy which is preserved on page 15 of RIA manuscript 23F21, a vellum manuscript which is better known as Dunra Namutlerach. A copy of the Ogilov, as we know, is to be found in another Butler manuscript, Lord Manuscript 610, in a section written for the White Earl between 1410 and 1452. But we don't know if this was the source of the version in 23F21, as this portion of the Yagalov is now missing from the manuscript. Indeed, we cannot even be sure about the direction of borrowing, as many of the verses in the Yagalov were not composed contemporaneously with the prose. When we compare the extant copies of the poem, the one found in the Butler manuscript and the versions found in the different copies of Yagalov Nishinorok, we find that 23 and 10 shares readings with versions of the poems found in both earlier and later Agalov. It also contains, however, two supplementary, oh sorry, there's the, the text itself, two supplementary verses. It consists of 14 quatrains, while generally the poem only contains 12. One of these is shared with the Lord manuscript and no other, and this is the one on the left there. Be a listener in the forest, a watcher on the plain, for you do not know this matters if your enemy lies in wait for you. There is also a copy in 23 and 10, a verse which seems to be unique to the 23 and 10 copy. No hot wood should the Namarov, get the Yena Rut Glogadov, a Jerem Rit Irvura, gone and far Marov Dath Vula. So do not strike a dead person again. Whatever he will do to you, a harsh battle, I tell you after delay not to strike the dead man again. Now, the prose context provided by the Oglov is obviously missing in the standalone copies of the poem, but the fact that Machluok is the character being addressed with his name noted in verses 1 and 2, and with his name used as a donut in the final stanza, confirms the Fenian nature of the composition, as Machluach is an important character in Fenian, and one with a significant role in the early Agalov. Now, aside from looking at these constituent texts, in this case, I'm just taking these uh, an example, the scattered Fenian corpus, 
The nature of the collection preserved in 23 and 10 may be also approached from another point of view. Now, for me, this has been best explicated by Bernadette Cunningham and Raymond Gillespie, who argue as follows, and I'm going to give a, a significant quote because I think they get very much to the heart of the matter. Genealogical fragmentation, with the constant creation of new learned families, each of which had to assemble their own collection of manuscripts in order to practice their art, may help to explain the proliferation of manuscripts in early 16th century North Connacht. The 1575 manuscript that is now RIA Manuscript 23 and 10 may be a case in point. Its place of writing was the house of Sean and Well Conra at Ballycommon in the parish of Kilmore, which is not immediately recognisable as one of the earlier centres of Omwell Conra's scribal activity. Rather, as we have seen, it was churchland and was recorded as such in the books of survey and distribution. One way of explaining such a situation is to suggest that this manuscript was made rather in the fashion of the book of Cluan Plochon by scribes who, because of their place in the family, could not aspire to the status of Olive but yet could find work as professional scholars. Rather than being servants of a particular lord or lordship, these men worked as freelance scholars, taking commissions to produce new texts in the forms dictated by such patrons as had political use for and can afford their specialist services." End quote. So a long quote, but I think it gets to the heart of the matter. Now, as well as look, working as freelance scholars, however, such members of learned families also worked as notaries, and we know this about the Evewell Conra in Tomond, who were involved in the drawing up of a lot of legal documents. They could also be working, the motivation providing for, for creation of such collection of texts would be when they ran scribal schools. And this may be that such was the case with Sean O'Moyle Conra's abode at Ballycommon. This isn't certain, however. Could, can we equate him, as has been suggested, with the scholar of that name who was mentioned by Flanmach Ergon and whose name checked by Miola Clary at the start of the Annals of the Four Masters? And we see it here. Though numerous, the uncertain number of ancient and modern books which I saw written and been transcribed in the school of Sean, son of Thorne O'Moyle Conra, the tutor of the men of Ireland in, in general in history and chronology, and who had all that were in Ireland learning that science under his tuition. It must be stressed, however, that this identification with Roscommon is tentative or perhaps doubtful. As there were many members of the wider Omwell Conra scribal families in both Roscommon and Clare who were named Sean. The particular reference here has generally been taken to refer to Sean MacTorn Omwell Conra, who died in 1657 from Uncapoch, that's the townlands of Kappa in County Clare though it might also refer to Sean MacTorn Oig Omwell Hunra, who was still alive in 1587 and who kept a very famous scribal school at Ardkyle in the parish of Fina, also in Clare. And his father was Olive to the Shield Muradig, and his father, the Torna Og, was ancestor of the Evewell Conra of Tormund. With regard to our Sean, we don't even know if our Sean's name was Torna. However, because the time frame Fritz, and because one of the older scribes of the manuscript was, was named Torna, it, it still renders this identification an attractive possibility. And I'm hoping Nullig is going to sort this out first because I've been trying to work this out myself. Sorry to be throwing it back at you. The other attentive thing would be to equate our Sean O'Malconra with Sean Rue O'Malconra, who we do know was working in Roscommon and who, was, who died in 1589. 
He was a brother of the famous Murgus Mapajin of Cluan who was the, the scribe of the Book of Fina and other manuscripts. However, if our Sean's father, Wartorna, if he comes in there, identified as son of Maelin, son of Thorn, son of Maelin, as has been suggested, then his grandfather had been Olaf to Shield Muradig, but this role had passed to Maelin's brother, the aforementioned Thorna Og, and so it didn't continue in that line. Now, those working as professional scholars and as teachers would have required access to a large store of texts in the vernacular in order to carry out their jobs properly. The substantial number of manuscripts from this period penned by members of or, or scribes associated with the Evewell Connor Scribal Network has been remarked upon previously. And we have them here. And these are manuscripts you've heard over and over again over the last couple of days. Rawlinson B512, Harley 5280, the Book of Fina, Egypt Manuscript 1782, Royal Irish Academy Manuscript D43, Mullingar Manuscript 1, and the latest and date of them all, it must be said, RIA Manuscript 23N10. Now, this list bears witness to the wide range of written texts to which Evel Connor scribes had access. 23 and 10, as I said, is the latest in date of all these codices, so it not be, it's not surprising to find that it shares a significant number of its texts with these other manuscripts. And I'm just going to take one example from so many to illustrate the point. It shares new, there are numerous texts shared in common between 23 and 10 and Harley 5280, and we heard a little about this in the last talk. And this, of course, Harley 5280, was the manuscript written by Gulleria Cochleri, when he was a student, as he tells us, in the O'Mail Conra abode of Corlis Connell, also in the parish of Kilmore. We don't know where exactly in the parish of Kilmore. Now, from comparing these two manuscripts, we know who been either survives in these two manuscripts only. A discussion between Alan and Aulam and Art is involved. A tale of the vision, visit of Aherna to his pupil Avergon forms part of both, but is also found in the Book of Leinster. Tukfuk Evra is found in our manuscripts, but also found in multiple other witnesses. Arik Menman, Urard Vikusha, is in our two manuscripts and in another Omwell Connor manuscript, Rawlinson B512. Abgirgur Crawford is found in our manuscripts and several other sources. The quarrel between Finn and Oshin, as I've mentioned, is present in these two codices and one other, which is also an old Mail Connery manuscript. We heard about these shorter texts that Chantal was talking about, the manuscripts containing the, the quatrains on food and the quatrains on the tears of repentance, both to, be found, both to be found in both manuscripts. Also, we heard of Tukfurk Buisha Bondrood is found in our codices and only in one other, TCD H318. Uh, Imre Bran is found in our manuscript and in several others, obviously. There's a poem of three quatrains, which was also mentioned, Tovus Chi Vekanog, which present in our two manuscripts and when one other, but the one other is present in was penned by Michal O'Clary, and who wrote the page in it? Pajin O'Mail Conra. So the O'Mail Conra O'Clary nexus is very strong. Hector Conner is in our manuscript and multiple other witnesses. The article Prolift from Cormac Blossary is in our manuscript and multiple other witnesses. The prophecy assigned to Bjug is in our manuscript and several other sources. Prophecy assigned to first is present in our manuscript and other sources. Con Dovnig, as we heard about yesterday, is found in, in our two manus in, in manuscripts and other, in many other sources, 
However, the tripartite nature, as Professor Bernach was talking about, is to be found in these two manuscripts. And finally, Balia bin Verloch, Macbuan, is in our two manuscripts, and in Ronson B512, another Yvelle Economist, and in H38E. And yet, what strikes you when you look at it, after saying all that, after looking at all that, with all this overlap, Gyalariuk has only two of the tracks attributed to Keen Dramishnachta. Among all the texts he shares with 23 and 10, there's just Imr Bran and Extra Connor from among all of these. What does all of this go to show to conclude? It shows us that the transmission and preservation of a number of our early texts is largely bound up with the learned Evewell Conra. Now, I have a caveat to enter, however. An important caveat that must be entered is that we don't know the identities of the scribes who wrote the manuscripts. Okay? A is not a name elsewhere associated with Evewell Conra. Okay? It's much more frequent among the Machaegon. Dovtok is a name associated with the Omel Khunra, but it's not common among them, and you find it actually among the Eikaganon more frequently. Okay? Torn, I think we have to see as Nomel Khunra because that is a name that they use over and over again. So if A and Dovtok, they, they may be Evel Khunra, they may not. They may have been students in, in a school run by Sean Manuel Conra. They may have been teachers in a school, or they may have just been members of a larger scribal network, if not members of the Omel Conra family, they may be members of the larger scribal network associated with Evel Conra. And therefore we find them copying texts which are found repeatedly in Evel Conra codices and related manuscripts. Thus what we find with 23 and 10 is that it is representative of the materials preserved by the scribal family, materials which formed a central part of their work as scribes, teachers, and as guardians of Shanachas. The fact that the volume is small, and you've seen it outside, with pages measuring an average eight and a quarter by five and a quarter inches, with the avellum leaves approximately half an inch smaller than paper leaves in height and width, means that it was very portable. In essence, perhaps a pocketbook, one that could easily be brought from location to location, perhaps. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about this later, about books as objects from Dr. Ralph's talk. We know a lot about the volume. We know a lot about its contents. We know a lot about its connections. We know a lot about its arrangements in its codicology. Yet there is a lot that we don't know and have yet to discover. For such a small volume, it contains within it a wealth of literature, a treasure trove that has preserved to us an important miscellany of vernacular texts. Gormagov.